0: you're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia delivered by Joe Song on our study on the gospel according to Matthew thanks for listening to Han Vision alright, well let's, let's just there's so much, so much here and we're just gonna, we're just gonna run after it let's go to the first verse so here we are, this is the setting and settings matter because this is the real places and settings matter in real life. Jesus went, remember he's withdrawing from Galilee where he was. Remember, if, if this, there's a map, here's Jerusalem. Everyone knows that city, right? The holy city, that's where Jesus dies on the cross. This is Galilee up north, where around where Jesus was born, Nazareth, Galilee, where the river is, that's where he operates. And then Jesus goes further north, to Tyre and Sidon, which is outside of Jewish territory. All right. So this is where the Gentiles, Gentiles, for those of you don't know, or is anyone who's not Jewish. If you're a Jewish person and you're you're a non-Jew, you don't hang out with them because they're dirty. All right. So all of you are dirty because you're Gentiles, right? So this is Gentile country that they go up into, that Jesus withdraws to. So already Matthew the people who are reading Matthew, who are Jews, most, most likely Jewish men from the first century are reading. They'll be like, Jesus, why are you going to Tyre and Sidon? That's already like, that's a shady place. It's not, a, it's not a, a Jewish territory. So Jesus goes up there to Tyre and Sidon, especially these cities. In the Old Testament, these were enemies of Israel. There are Old Testament prophecies that talk about how God will destroy Tyre and Sidon because they are so wicked and evil. And um, that's where Jesus is in this like wicked place. And so that's where he is. And then it says, Matthew says, behold, right? So when Matthew says, behold, he's saying something is about to happen. You better pay attention. So he's saying like, behold guys, a Canaanite woman. Oh, I know, right? Awful, <laughs> right? First of all, like, I know you guys are like, well, what's was the big deal? But remember, this is written to a Jewish first century audience. So for a second, like take off your, you know, Western 21st century glasses off and put on your Jewish male first century, you know, goggles on and see the world through that lens. I know we all got one at the door. Please put them on. Thank you. All right. So you have them on. Now you're looking at the world from a Jewish first century perspective. All right. And now behold, oh, a Canaanite woman, right? Oh, oh my goodness. Right. Because, you know, a Canaan, a Canaanite is like they were the historical enemies of the Jews. Like the Jews, they were, uh, if you guys know the story of the Jewish people, they, they went from Israel or from Egypt and then God brought them into the promised land, which is this land of Canaan. And these Canaanites were so evil and wicked, they would like sacrifice their children to their false gods, and they would do all these wicked things. So God said, I need you to kick these evil people out and get rid of them because they're so evil, and and take over their land and turn it into the promised land. So for all of Israel's history, their enemies were the Canaanites. They were these evil people that they were supposed to get rid of and never mingle with because they were so evil. So one of these evil, dirty Canaanites was approaching Jesus and Jesus is already in sketchy territory, right? You ever go to a sketchy place and you're like, you know, you're afraid of everyone that approaches you. You know what I'm saying? You go to downtown Atlanta, you know, to like the, to the scary part. And the, anyone who comes to you, you're, you're already like on high alert. You're like, ah, you know, right? Like unclean, like stay away. Right. And so like, there you are. Jesus is there in this area. And then this can, this dirty Canaanite comes and, and a woman, right? Oh, like terrible. I mean, this is first century. So, you know, you're already like, oh, like, like what Matthew is basically saying to the Jewish audience is like, my bros, behold, this is an uncomfortable situation. Okay. That's what he's saying. My Jewish brothers, this is not, this is not normal. Alright, we're uncomfortable, like this is happening. And a woman, like, you know, in those days, like men were not supposed to speak to women in public, especially like Gentile Like, this is this is really this is really weird. And she comes to them, comes near them, and she keeps coming near them, closer to Jesus, the holiest person ever. And then she starts like crying out. Right, She starts crying out, like, have mercy on me. Now, this is so uncomfortable for all, all who are involved. All the disciples are feeling so, like, just so uncomfortable right now. They're like, oh man, no, no, please, please don't, right? And she's crying out. The, in the word, it means, like, cry out desperate, wailing, like, shouting at the top of your lungs, sort of, like, desperate crying. That tells us something about the state of this woman. She knows she's not, she's not welcome in this, in, in, among these men. When was the last time you cried out in desperation for anything? When was the last time you were so desperate that you didn't care what anybody thought, right? Right now, like, we're always like, so we care about what people think about us, but like, when were you so like, broken, right? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Those are the ones God is going to bless. Those who are desperate. Those who know that they got nothing. Those who know that they are in need. Those are the ones who God blesses. And so for some of you, if you haven't been at that desperate place before God in a long time and you've just been like, no, I'm fine. Or like, you know, you got problems, but you're not desperate enough to to cry out. And then you're wondering, why aren't I receiving the blessings of God lately? Maybe it's because you're too proud and you haven't been humble enough to cry out to God. And what she cries out is, have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me. Who do you ask for mercy for? She says, have mercy on me, O Lord. The word mercy, we sing about it in our Christian songs. But when do you use that word? You use the word mercy, have pity on me, have compassion on me when you are absolutely helpless, when you have nothing left, you have no more options, when you're at the end of yourself, there's nothing you could do. That's when you ask for mercy. That's when you cry out, when you're overwhelmed. Is there anybody today that needs mercy? Anybody feeling overwhelmed? Anyone feeling helpless, lost? Anyone feeling pain that you just don't know what to do about, that you have no control over? I know you all look nice and composed on the outside, but I know that uh, there are many of us in this room that are crying out for mercy. That's when you use that word, when you are in absolute need, when you don't know what to do. But to whom do you Say that word too. You ask mercy from someone who is higher than you, right? Someone who is at the mercy of the judge because the judge has more authority, has more power. That's whom you cry out to mercy. Someone who is stronger, someone who who is able to give you mercy. That's when you ask for mercy. That's whom you ask. You, when you say, have mercy on me, you're saying, not only am I helpless, but you are higher than I. Mercy can only be asked from a broken place. When you are broken, when you are surrendered, when you recognize the power of the one who can give that mercy, that's when you ask. That's who you ask mercy to. You know, when I was growing up, there was this game, like this really dumb game called mercy. All right, and some of you are too probably too young to even know what that game is, but literally this was the game. Someone would grab like your, 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 your arm and they would just start twisting your arm like, and, and so you'd get like this, you know, burn and they would just grab it and just cause you pain until you scream mercy. That's it, that's the game. You just, and you just sit there, and you take it and they're, just like, they're like, you know, grinding your hand and you're just like, and then you scream mercy and they're like, ha ha, I won. <laughs> you know, like what you're well, basically the, the, the point of the game is like you're, you get to a point where they break you, where you admit like, I can't take it anymore. Please, you have the power to make this stop. Please stop. That's it right? That's what you cry out mercy. You are broken. I I have lost. I can't take it anymore. That's why like in movies, like the villain will capture the hero and like lock, chain them up. And then they'll like torture them and be like, you know, like, like beg for mercy. And the, 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 you know, the hero's like never. Right. And there's like this battle for mercy because like this guy wants to break this person's will and make him Basically admit that this person is greater and stronger than them. And you have, I have all the power over you admit it. And they're like, no, right? When you cry out for mercy, you're basically broken. You're saying, I admit, I can't, I got nothing. You have everything. You have all the power. And I acknowledge that I come, bef- I come before you have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David. This is crazy what's happening right now. To a Jewish person, if you're a Jewish person reading this in the first century, you would be kind of like offended. You'd be like, how dare this Gentile woman, this Canaanite woman call Jesus the son of David? Because to a Jewish person, that phrase son of David encapsulates all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of the promises that God made to their family. To their people for the last 500 years. 500 years ago, there was a mighty king named David, the one who slew Goliath. And God said, To your son, I will through him create a kingdom. That will last forever and ever. And he will be the anointed Messiah. And after that, every prophet added on to that promise that God gave. That this king will will rule all nations. And that the, the, the kingdom of Israel will be all over the world. And through them, God's people will be saved. And God's enemies will be judged and destroyed. And like all of the hopes... Lied on this phrase that one day a son of David will come to save the Israelite people from their enemies, and for 500 years they were conquered and oppressed and like sold and scattered, and they were and they were suffering and waiting and hoping. Son of David, come to save the people of God, the Israelites, and then this. Non-Jewish woman was saying, son of David, you, Jesus, I believe you are the promised king of the Jews. And can you save me? Can you help me? And all the Jews in the audience would be like, he ain't here for you. (laughs) He's our Messiah. We waited for him. We prayed for him. How dare you ask for mercy from our king? You know what I'm saying? So, you know what happens? The response to this. And she goes, my daughter has been severely oppressed by demons. And she's like, she comes before him and what does Jesus say? It says, but Jesus did not answer her a word. And all the Jewish men would be like, "Mm." they would nod their heads. That's right. That's what you do. You ignore her because what she's saying is crazy. Right? Like you don't even look at, that's what you do. When a, when a, Gentile woman approaches a Jewish man in public. You do not speak to her. You do not talk to her. You ignore her because she is not worthy. You do not do that. You don't defile yourself by talking to her. So Jesus does the proper Jewish man thing and ignores her, right? To us, we're like, that's so mean, Jesus. We're like offended. But that's because we're we're in our 21st century mindset, all right? We got to go back to what the, the context of here. He ignores her. And, and, and here's the thing, we are offended, right? I mean, how many of you, like this isn't what we expect from Jesus, but how many of you in your life, you've prayed, you've gone to God and you were humble before him and you cried out in desperation, Lord, and you have a prayer request. Lord, I need this, I need your help. And instead of something, you get nothing. You get silence. You get the emptiness of the room as your answer. You know what I mean? You ever pray and you feel like dumb afterwards because you feel like, am I talking to the wall here? You know what I'm saying? You ever pray and you wonder like, if someone watched me, like they must think I'm crazy because at that moment, you don't feel God. You feel nothing and you feel like God is ignoring you or he doesn't care. I mean, I know every single one of us who've prayed has felt this before and you're frustrated because like you did what like the pastor said, You, you were humble and you cried out and maybe you even had a guitar with you. You know what I mean? Like, I got the formula. Like, what's happening? Why isn't God answering? And like, it's not even like you're praying for something bad. You're like praying for the salvation of your family or you're praying for something that's really, really needed here and God doesn't answer right away. You know what I'm saying? And then what do we do? We get angry. We get upset. We start to doubt his existence. And we start to rage at him and say, how dare you ignore me? Right? We like have this weird, I don't know where it is, but we got this entitled entitled like attitude that God is supposed to answer us whenever we demand. Who's God? Who is God that he is to answer us as we demand? You know, I don't get offended or upset when the Queen of England doesn't return my calls. I don't, I know, but I don't get upset. First, I don't know her number. But you know, if if Elizabeth is, you know, she's not calling me back. You know, I I I don't get all crazy and bitter at her because that's ridiculous. She is above me in all sense, in every way. I have no who am I to even talk to her, right? To for her to it's for me to get upset that she's not paying attention to me, right? Like, so I know that. I know that. I don't get upset. But like, I don't get upset that three years ago, Casey Neistat didn't answer my, my, my comment that I left on one of his videos. I'm not upset about that. I'm not bitter at all. All right? I'm still waiting, but I'm not bitter because I know he's busy and super famous and doing things, right? And I'm like, no one. I don't get upset at that, but we get upset when God of the universe doesn't answer right away. You pray and you're like, it's been three days. You're not real. You know, like we get upset. Like who is God? He's God of the universe. He is not entitled or obligated to answer us at all. In fact, the only thing like, you know what I mean? Like who are we that we're demanding this from God? that He even answers our prayers or pays attention to us, is sheer mercy, is sheer grace. It is by the grace of God that He has answered a single prayer, that He... He hears our call, that we can come into his presence and, and, and tell him our hearts. That's incredible mercy, incredible grace. Don't you realize? And the fact that God promised us that he will hear our prayers and he will answer us, that when you seek me, you will find me, that when you knock, the door will be open to you. That is all his promise that he didn't have to do for us, but he did because he loves us. But the one thing that the Bible never promised, that God never promises, I will answer you immediately. He said, I will answer. What you do is you keep on asking. He gives us the persistent widow. He says, this widow kept asking until she got her answer. How much more will I ask when you ask me? Some of you, you're like, but I've been praying for an entire week, God. God's I like, keep asking. So this woman, she asks, she's desperate and she gets silence for a response, right? And then he doesn't respond. And then what does she do? She keeps asking. You know how we know that? Because the disciples came up to Jesus after her, and and they, they begged him saying, send her away for she is crying after us. So after Jesus says nothing, she just keeps on going after the disciples, keeps shouting, keep begging. And she's like, please, please. And then they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus get rid of her just you know do whatever like she's driving us crazy she's so like can you silence her please right the silence from jesus didn't stop her because she knew that he was her only hope she knew so she was like if he's not gonna i'm gonna keep on asking she does and then the disciples the followers of jesus get in her way she's like you need to get out of here It's crazy because sometimes people come looking for Jesus in our world and the people who get in the way of those people are Jesus's followers. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the people who get in the way of people looking for God are Christians and church people. Like let's admit guys, this isn't other church people. This is our church. Let's admit that when strangers looking for Jesus come to our church that look different from us, who are from a different culture, who we deem in our minds like dirty or unclean, we straight up hope they leave, right? I know we like do the hugging thing and we're like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. But inside I'm like, I'm glad you're here, but I hope you leave soon. You can come to our Sunday services, but I hope you don't join our small group. I hope you don't like, you know, become a part of my life. Jesus, can you like send them away? Jesus, can you like send them the Sugarloaf Baptist Church? <laughs> because this is a hard person. They, this one is a, yeah, they're, they're like a pagan. <laughs> they didn't grow up in church. They don't speak my churchy language. They like drink and I think they're hungover right now. So send them to Promise Church, Lord, you know? We, we, in our hearts, we say we're open and we're here for all to come, but we know what we're really saying. We only want those to come that look like us, talk like us, sound like us, and act like us. Anyone who looks different than us, we, we don't want you to be here. You're looking for Jesus? Sorry. You're going to have to move on. We have to admit, we look at these disciples we're like, oh, how could you send her away? How could you be so heartless? We are exactly the same. And I know this, and you're like, how do you know, Pastor Joe? You, it's like you're you're seeing inside my heart. It's because, guys, I feel that way. And I need to repent. I need to repent because this is not my church. This is God's church. And anyone who comes, we need to, we need to not be a hindrance from them finding Jesus. And if that means they're different, you know, and we don't and they're broken then we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus and be there and love and pray and sacrifice and do whatever we have to do. And if you've been on the other side of that, If you're in this room and you've gone to churches and you just want God, but everywhere you go, you feel these Christians pushing you out and they're like, you're different or the way you live, you're not acceptable. And like the, you're feeling like rejected by churches and Christians. I want to tell you today, don't give up. Don't let the Christians push you away from God. Don't even let our church and our ability to be a welcoming community push you away from Jesus because he's there and he's your only hope. Don't get pushed away. Keep on going. And this lady doesn't give up. And so Jesus answers. She perseveres through the silence, through the disciples rejecting her. And then finally, she got, she persevered through all of that. So Jesus answered her and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel which is also pretty unexpected. Cause I'm like, by this point, surely Jesus said, yes, now come, you have passed the test. But Jesus says, listen, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the Jews and for the Israelites right now. And to that, now all the Israelite men in the crowd are like, they start clapping, they're like, hallelujah, because that's their word, not ours, right? It's a Jewish word. And they're like, hallelujah, our Messiah, our God, for the Jewish people, us and us alone, right? He was promised to Abraham, Moses, David, he's ours, right? He's our hope, not yours. And then you know what she says to that? But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Are you serious? She pushed through the resistance, the unwelcoming atmosphere, even like a straight rejection from like Jesus saying, like, I'm not here for your people right now. I'm here for the Jews. And then she just, she just pushes through it all and just gets down at his feet. Because she knows like, I got no, I know there's no one else. There's life, there's healing nowhere else but you. Man, I am like so blown away by this woman's persistence. Are you not? Aren't you impressed? Because I mean, come on, think about us. Like we, we, but the tiny bit of resistance that we feel and we like run, like we want God. And so you're like, you want God. So you like get out of bed and then you go to church. You, you look up at a church and you get there and then they're not welcoming. And you're like, Psh, I'm out, right? Like you're looking for life and then you go and the church is slightly unwelcoming. And so you're like, I'm out of here. You get to a church and you're like, well, they don't have a singles group. I can't meet Jesus here, right? So you leave. Like any resistance we face looking in our pursuit of God, we run like a timid deer. We're like a rare Pokemon. You just can't. We're just gone. You know what I mean? Where is our fight? Where is our persistence? Don't we really want eternal life? How many of us have given up on prayer because God doesn't answer you after like, doesn't answer you right away? We lose heart at the slightest obstacle, slightest subversion of our expectations. But she bows down and prays, help me, Lord. Guys, don't stop after one prayer. You keep praying until God answers or until he changes you. That's how, that's, that's prayer. Prayer is not one time asking, it's continually asking until he changes it or he changes you. I remember there was a friend and I told you guys that this before, but I remember he called me from, or he texted me from Korea and he was like, Joe, how, what's going on with that one thing? Can I stop praying for it? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I suddenly remember a year ago, he asked me for a prayer request and I asked him to pray for something in my life. And then a year later, he texts me. He's like, Joe, what's going on with that? Can I stop praying for it now? Because, and I was just like, wait, wait, wait. You've been praying for that since I asked you a year ago? He's like, yeah, well, you never told me if it changed or not. So I just assumed that you needed prayer and I've been praying for it every, every day since. Can I stop praying now? And I was stunned, I was like, you believe. (laughs) Like you you actually believe in the Bible. You actually pray the way Jesus teaches us to pray. You are persistent and you are bold because you believe that God answers prayers. This woman was persistent and bold. And Jesus answered her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow. Jesus is being so mean. <laughs> so mean, Jesus, right? We're like, what the heck? We're like, I'm offended. How, offended for her, right? Are you not offended for her? I'm offended for her. Like, I want to skip this entire thing because I'm like, I don't want to talk about mean Jesus. Let's get back to nice Jesus after this, where he's feeding people, right? And heals many, but this is like so mean. How do I get around it? Here's the thing it's so unexpected to us, but this is totally expected for the first century Jewish culture. This is absolutely expected. This is how they genuinely felt about everyone else who wasn't a Jew. They were, they were the enemy, they, uh, they were the pagans, they were the dogs you were supposed to ignore them. You were supposed to tell them that the salvation was not for them. And at the end of the day, if they kept on coming, you tell them that you do not take God's salvation and give it to the dogs, to the enemies of God. You are the Canaanites. You are the pagans. Do you know how evil you are? You do not deserve this. You did not suffer like we did, holding on and trusting God all these thousands of years. You pagan dogs. This is exactly, and now the Jewish men would all stand and give a stand and say, yes, this is what you're supposed to do. You tell them, Jesus, you tell these Gentiles that they have no part with us, no part with our God that we suffered with, that saved us, that came to save us, that promised to save us. You tell them, you tell all these Jews or these non-Jews, these Gentiles, you tell those dirty Canaanites you tell those Korean dogs, you tell those white devils that that salvation is for the Jews alone. We forget that we every single one of us in this room have no portion with the Jewish Messiah. We forget that every single one of us are these Gentiles. You know, as people who grew up as Christians, we like thought that He was our Jesus, that He was our God, and that, look, we were His people and He is our Father. And we say it so casually. We say it like it's entitled to us, like we take it for granted, not realizing that He, that it is by His mercy that He lets us in. He's not our. Like we, it's it's not guaranteed for us. It was never like in, like just a given for us. How we are, we are we are the Gentiles, and what this woman says is yes, Lord. What? Remember. I mean every single one of us in the room right now, like if, if Jesus just called you and all of your people a dog, lower than the dogs, right? Like you would you would, you would would be like, oh, heck no. Like you, you did not just call me and my family. You, we'd get crazy. We'd be like, you call me a dog. Like, let me tell you who I am. And then we would get like so upset and offended. And we'd be like, I am no dog, right? And we would whatever, and like you and your people, you know, like we would get so mad. Like, how dare you call me this? But this woman, she says, yes, Lord. I know I'm not worthy. I know me and my people are unworthy of God. I know that we are sinners who deserve nothing but the wrath of God for the things that we've done. And yes, Lord, but even the dogs Will eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, we are not your people. We are lower than your people, but we are still your creatures. Did you not make us? Are you not still our master? Do we not still get some salvation? And then what Jesus does next will flip the tables on the Jewish men that were standing and clapping. <laughs> because what Jesus says next is says, Oh woman, great. Is your faith what you want will be done? He says, Your faith is so great. And it is because of your faith that you will now receive the power of the Jewish Messiah in your life. And I'm going to bring salvation to your daughter. And all the Jewish men just start stopped clapping. They're like, wait, what? You You just gave. You just saved her. You just healed her. You gave the power of God that was meant for us over to her because of her faith. But she doesn't deserve it. Her people don't deserve it. And he's like, Yeah. No one does. And neither do we. None of us do. We're not from the right people. We didn't do the right things. We did nothing to make ourselves worthy. But Jesus says, believe. Believe in me. the salvation that came from the Jews will go and invade our lives. And by his grace and his mercy, we can call him our Lord and our Savior and our King. Guys, today... We need to realize that we are unworthy. She she already knew that. And she didn't come to Jesus knowing she's unworthy and trying to validate her her worth by being like, Jesus, I know I'm unworthy. But like I've been I've been trying really hard to be good. I've been like reading Jewish scriptures and, and things like that. And so I know I'm more unworthy, but I did all these things. She didn't do that. She knew she was absolutely unworthy, and all she did was just fall at his feet and cry, mercy. Because she knew there was nothing she could do to make herself worthy. Some of us, you realize you're unworthy. And so you try, you try, you try to like do things. You try to serve at church. You try to like not do these things and not sin in certain ways to try to make yourself worthy to go and get the blessing of Jesus. All you have to do is realize that you're unworthy and fall at his feet and cry mercy. Some of you, you realize you're unworthy and you try to run away from Jesus because you're unworthy. I like, I talk to people, I'm like, hey, why aren't you following Jesus? Why isn't He the Lord of your life? And they, what they say to me is, it's because I'm so unworthy. I'm so sinful right now. And so I need, I, I can't get near Jesus. I need to clean my life up. I need to stop doing certain things. And then once I'm a little bit more worthy, then I can start getting closer to Jesus. And maybe then I'll start surrendering my life to him. And that is not what you're supposed to do because you can never make yourself worthy. You don't, make, you don't wait till you're a little less unworthy. That's, that's not even a thing. You just come and you fall at his feet and say, I am unworthy. Have mercy on me, O Lord. And so let's pray today. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.